Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, the des- December the 4th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about the surge of all COVID surges, as Health Secretary Dr. Jose has described the period we're entering. We'll also talk about President Trump's continued lunacy and other odds and ends. I'm joined once again by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So we set another record today and uh, appear to be on our way to 3,000 cases next week of COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. yeah 2,800 plus today after 2,700 plus yesterday and 30 some, 30 some odd more deaths. Uh, I, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. So uh, we've we've sort of beat this to death, but the, the governor uh, refuses to to make to make any take any steps, take any action to try to curb the spread. And uh, he he got a little churlish yesterday when he was pushed on it and suggested that the reason he wasn't making any moves was because. Uh, there's no evidence that he's seen that transmission is happening in restaurants or gyms, to name two. Well, and the the context of that was, and he denied having read it, but I'm I'm quite sure he was informed about it. Was that that morning uh, there had been an op-ed, a guest column by Gary, Dr. Gary Wheeler in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, who retired three days earlier as medical chief medical director for the state health department. And he said some obvious truths. One is, is that a vast number of people in Arkansas are just ignoring the rules about social distancing and masks, and that it was time for action, uh, and action specifically including ending uh, indoor dining, closing bars, and closing non-essential businesses. He didn't name Hutchinson by name, but he might as well have. And, and the governor was asked yet again about would he do something about closing restaurants or bars and he said i've answered that question and he turned to another question well he has answered the question and and unfortunately he's answered it exactly in the way that that, that gary uh harper accused him of which is putting business interests ahead of people and and with with terrible health consequences and deadly consequences the problem is and, and i've talked to some some doctors about this and i've done a little bit of research in some of the the academic literature is whatever the governor says, we do know restaurants are places where the virus causes transmission. There's a, a fairly new Stanford study that's been peer-reviewed. Nature wrote a good article about it that, that tracks mobility. That is, they use cell phone data. And, and there's a clear connection between people who've been to gyms and restaurants and, and outbreaks of coronavirus. Uh, they've found the same thing in France. We know that shutdowns have worked elsewhere. Yes, we do know that there are economic consequences, but there are enormous economic consequences from people getting sick and dying and stressing health facilities. The governor says it's time for action by everybody. Well, it's time for action by him, and I think he's really been derelict. Our problem, it was pointed out to me, is, is our contact tracing system doesn't really produce the data that we need to understand the sources of viruses. It's, it's geared toward finding who sick people have been in contact with personally so that they can reach out to those people and see if they've been infected or who else they may have infected in the course of a contact. 
it isn't really the scientific effort to really drill down into the reverse process of what the source of these things are. If, if we really were doing that, we'd be calling out some of these churches where they've had these, these horrendous outbreaks. Uh, one in Conway this week was, was pretty notable, a mega church that went back to in-person services, and now 25 people in the, in the congregation are sick. The pastor's wife has died, and his daughter is in ICU. Well, it's time to do something, but it's, it's clearly not working for the governor to stand up and say, it's time for you people to get serious. He needs to take some action that shows how serious it is. That doesn't appear to now I will to his very small credit, he said they were looking at putting some additional limits on indoor gatherings of more than twenty people or maybe more than ten people. I can't remember if it's ten or twenty. But he made it clear that he wasn't talking about restaurants that might have more than ten people inside because of course they're all socially distancing, you understand. Certainly wasn't talking about high school indoor sports. I'm not exactly sure what he is talking about. He doesn't appear to be talking about gatherings at the governor's mansion because a, a neighbor of theirs said there must have been 60 cars parked around the mansion last night for some kind of dinner event there. And I'm sure they all ripped their mask off when the when the wine glasses came and were chatting and spitting and eating and drinking and, you know, however close together they are at their various tables. And so he's not setting a very good example either. Uh, well, you mentioned... Uh... Dr. Wheeler's uh, editorial. We also had a, a tweet thread from Cam Patterson, the chancellor of UAMF. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, was pretty stark. And, you know, the governor's brought along several hospital leaders to talk, and, and they have, have mostly been restrained. But, but they, and, and even Dr. Romero, who, as I mentioned in my lead-in, told uh, legislative council that, that we're about to enter the surge of all sur surges, and it's going to be really bleak. You have these health leaders sort of starting to amp up the rhetoric, and and especially as hospitals continue to get pinched, um, that that could be one avenue for moving the governor. I mean, there will maybe, and and you know, and there's there's an economist at the University of Arkansas follows it closely, and he was he was saying that today that maybe this is a sign as he's starting to be moved, but but you know he's just been throughout so so intent on keeping businesses open time after time after time, and and yes, I mean the hospital people are nervous. We're renting beds at a VA hospital, so to take to take care of the surge. Uh, the, the one indicator of how serious things are is the governor held back $50 million from the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund, which might have given a, a tax break to Arkansas businesses because they may need it to, to put in the hospitals and nursing homes for their needs in this surge meeting. They're gonna, they want to pay extra money to, to staff to keep them from being poached away by other states. Well, because... All, the staffing is a, is a huge issue. It's not just merely a number of beds. It's people are, are pushed to the max and they're working impossible hours. And that's only going to get worse. And so, I, the, yes, the health leaders are sending the message. But in the end, they're left to do what the governor does, which says, you people just really need to work harder on this. You need to do better. Well, you know, clearly Arkansas people, a significant number of them have been ignoring this for nine months now. I asked a doctor today uh, who, who's a, a professional in this field, is it too late? And he says, no, it's not too late. And he says that's why he favors 
some strict lockdown rules because to show people how serious it is and get them to change their behavior by forcing them to do so. That's worked in other places. It's worked in New York. It's worked in Korea. It's it's worked in Europe. It's worked all over the place. And and something like that needs to happen. There was an incredible episode this week, I thought, that, that was illustrative in its way. And it was State Senator Bob Ballinger, one of the rightest right-wing senators, one of those who's suing to strike down the governor's health rules, showed a picture of some 30 members of his family had gathered cheek to jowl at Thanksgiving dinner, smiling, grinning, spitting, and eating and drinking, and not drinking alcohol, I'm sure, but uh, but not wearing masks. And and, uh, and somebody asked him on Facebook about it, said, no mask. He said, why should I? And so I just posted the pictures with really no commentary on, on the web, and there were a lot of comments about it. But a defender of Bob's emerged, and, and, and this to me kind of captured Arkansas. He said, you guys are so mean to Bob. He's a great guy. It's a great family. These people are entitled to do what they want to do. And, and furthermore, we're, we live in a rural area. It's a small community. Everybody knows everybody as if somehow that's a guard against transmission of a virus. And, and then he said, and then he said this and said, furthermore, we've only had 15 cases in this county. Well, I don't think he was lying, but that is simply wrong. The, the, the smallest number in any county is like 150 cases. He's just simply wrong. And the misinformation is so great, both about the severity. Ballinger's one who puts out this right-wing theory that the death rate is, is exaggerated. It's now killing more people than heart disease and cancer combined in Arkansas, according to recent figures. And I don't know, I don't know how you cure stupid. You know, uh, that's the problem in Arkansas, is we have a, a rampaging virus of stupidity. Right, and it's all wrapped up in the culture war and politics. And- it's in culture and politics, and it's become a partisan issue. I mean, if you believe that. COVID-19 is a dangerous thing. You're a liberal. And if you don't, you're a Trump voter. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that you are seeing on social media and and people are sharing with you notes from from health workers, from nurses, from doctors that are very, very descriptive, very pointed, harrowing. and, And they all end with governor do something. I think you're going to see it's, of those. So. It's it's universal. It, it's everywhere. I mean, really, when the head when UAMS is talking about temporary morgue facilities, don't people get it that this is serious? Do they not get it? Yeah. Well, okay. Let's let's leave it there. And and and, and, let, and let me just say one other thing about this. I don't know. There's been a lot of talk by the governor about making plans to deal with the vaccine when it's finally distributed. Maybe maybe some will arrive for health workers this month, but it's going to be a, a, a logistical task of immense proportion. And the Trump administration didn't help him much. They seem to be, again, leaving it to the states. And, and I don't doubt our good intentions. And I think we have some pretty good health officials, and I think they're going to do their best. But there's still a lot of open questions about how much, how fast, how soon, and how easily this stuff's going to be distributed. And then the larger question, although to me it's it's kind of black humor to say, but maybe good news for people like me who fully intend to get the vaccine the very first opportunity I have to get it, is that a lot of people in Arkansas won't take it because <laughs> they don't trust it. So, Yeah, and that's, I mean, of course, vaccines are not, bulletproof vests 
it, they they protect you, but they're not a hundred percent effective for everyone. There there are uh, you know there there still are risks to people, and until a significant absolutely significant portion of the population is vaccinated, then you're not really protected. So that's that's going to be a big big challenge. Oh no, it's it's. Uh, it's all it just remains kind of depressing that's all uh okay well from from one depressing topic to another um since we we took thanksgiving week off but uh you know there hasn't been very significant very many significant changes in in how president trump has been acting and how republicans everywhere including in arkansas have been enabling him no, uh, he has, if anything, ramped up his rhetoric and his denial of losing the election. And they're filing suits all over the country in swing states alleging mass voter fraud. And so far, they've, you know, lost nearly four dozen lawsuits, but they're still, they filed a new one this afternoon alleging all kinds of improprieties in Georgia. And so, until all that plays out, you know, who knows what will happen. It's hard. Most most sane observers think that there's no doubt Joe Biden will be inaugurated January 20th. But I have to say, with the, with 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 three Trump appointees on the Supreme Court, and who knows what what they might do? It's it doesn't seem. I mean, it doesn't seem likely. And Rudy Giuliani and his his legal dream team have made utter fools of themselves in the course of this contest. But it's pretty clear that the same 35 to 40% of the people that would walk through fire for Donald Trump believe, I think the figure was 37% in a national poll, believe that there was election fraud and that Donald Trump really won. So that's, that's enough to just cause a problem in, in any event. And in the meanwhile, they're cooperating to the very smallest extent possible and basically salt in the earth for Joe Biden to make it make it clear that if he doesn't presidency, that it'll have even bigger problems to deal with. So it's, I mean, we're just still watching the legal stuff play out. The, I guess is it next week? is the drop dead date on certification by the states and then the electoral college votes. And so then we'll have, that seems likely to go ahead, but there, there may be competing elector slates chosen by some legislatures. It's, uh, I, I, I just don't, I don't know. It's, uh, but Trump is acting crazy and, and just uh, doing strange stuff. In terms of our congressional delegations uh, oh. reaction or, or, uh, you know, state leaders, do you think it's just purely cynical? They recognize that uh, there's no political gain for them to cross Trump. Uh, and then there could be upside to sticking with him. And endure, well, matter what it, cynicism, cynicism is one word. Cowardice is another. I think uh, it's fear of Trump. It's also fear of the the virulent stupidity in Arkansas. I mean, they know the votes that they got. Uh, they know that the votes that Trump got, and I, I think they recognize this is a Trump state, and so they're too chicken to 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 stand up and and be counted. Uh, 
it's really kind of embarrassing. As bad as Asa Hutchinson has been on this, he's been better than the members of Congress and the senators have been uh, by saying at least it appears likely that Joe Biden will be the next president. I mean, that's that's fairly faint, but that's better than what's come out of Congress. The Washington Post has been endeavoring to ask every single member of Congress if they believe Joe Biden will be the next president. And uh, they've gotten almost no responses from Republicans, except for a handful will say, I think Trump's going to be the next president. So it's uh, and, and, you know, our and to the extent our our members of Congress have had anything to say, I guess the loudest has been Tom Cotton, mostly defending everything Tom, uh, John, Donald Trump says or does. He's he's really, I mean, he's really winning the sweepstakes for the most odious member of Congress. Maybe one of the most odious in the high, entire United States. He's been getting national attention for the some of the dumb stuff he's been saying, but but he he revels in it. That's just owning the libs from Tom Cotton's point of view, and and will only increase as the Biden administration. Oh, well, you can you can just you can just imagine. But but, you know, I, I keep hoping for the day that that somehow some common sense in Arkansas will prevail that, and there might be some issues that, like, for example, today, the U.S. House voted to decriminalize marijuana at the federal level uh, and all Arkansas members of the House voted against it. French Hill was was ranting and raving about marijuana earlier this week. I'm absolutely certain that if you took a vote in Arkansas today, the majority would approve decriminalization of marijuana. I, I just, I'd, I'd bet a serious amount of money on it. But these guys, these guys don't think so, or they're sticking with whatever their ethos is and they won't vote for it. So. All right. Well, uh, finally and briefly, there was uh, several fairly significant runoff elections in Pulaski County this week. Uh, to school board elections where the candidates favored by the Rock Education Association and the Arkansas Times, uh, who were not the favored candidates of the Democrat Gazette and Arkansas Learns, prevailed uh, pretty handily in the, the runoff. And then uh, Terry Hartwick, former mayor of North Little Rock, is the new mayor of North Little Rock, defeating Tracy Steele. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was uh, I was happy with the outcome because I, I've, you know, I, I don't know what kind of mayor Terry Hartwick will be. He had some missteps in his earlier tenure as mayor. But uh, Tracy Steele, in addition to being a turncoat Democrat by basically selling his endorsement of Asa Hutchinson for a state job, in, in my view, uh, has been a disaster every place he's been, whether it was youth services, Martin Luther King Commission, or on the North Little Rock School Board. So I, I, I unfortunately, there was, there, there's no, there, it was not entirely a racially divisive race. However, there were some, there were some prominent black people who, who worked against Tracy Steele, particularly because of his Democratic Party shenanigans. But there was a lot of that there, and, and there were some racial incidents that occurred you know, and so that, that kind of marred that race. But Terry Hartwick won handily. Again, it was a case where Tracy Steele led the first election and, and then lost the runoff. This happened to him eight years ago against Joe Smith. The Little Rock School Board races were were, uh, were delightful in their outcome to me because, you know, the Democrat Gazette endorsed two candidates simply because they, they, they 
voted against, they endorsed against the winners simply because they had the endorsement of the Rock Teachers Union, who the Walter Hussman, the publisher, hates. Is, and, and, and so, and it was, and, they, and to do that, they had to endorse a couple of candidates that just were clearly lacking. I mean, they, they, they overlooked a retired teacher with a good record and a, and a proven district activist in favor of a guy who faced a DWI charge and a woman who, who'd been convicted of writing the hot checks and, and taking money from a public charge account just simply because they, they didn't have the endorsement of the teachers union. And so I, I was delighted by that outcome. And, you know, I think the, uh, the, uh, the makeup of the new Little Rock school board is pretty good on balance. Uh, there are a lot of good and dedicated people on there. They're, they've got, uh, the state board of education, uh, restrictions on them. I hope they'll sue and uh, to get the restrictions declared unconstitutional, because I think they are, if the pending lawsuit that's filed on behalf of several district residents isn't successful. And I hope they'll uh, look after those teachers that got punished for uh, staying home from school during the pandemic and do a lot of things that once again tells us we've got our people in charge of our school district. And so anyway, it was, it was a good, it was a rare good election night for me. All right, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What, if anything, do you have to speak? No, just junk TV. You know, I, I finished watching The Undoing, which was, I'd, I'd been, I'd, I made myself not read a lot of social media about the, the director of explaining the last episode. I thought, and it sounded like it was going to end unresolved, but it ended resolved. So I was glad about that. I like, I like, I like neat endings. But, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting seeing Hugh Grant in a, in a not lovable young boy mode and uh, Nicole Kidman's great. And so, you know, it was it was a good four hours or so. I'm waiting until Sunday for the last episode of Murder on Middle Beach, which is a, a documentary about the, the, the murders, apparently still unexplained of a, a wealthy uh, housewife in Connecticut, I think it was. And uh, it's, you know, it's. True crime's always kind of entertaining, but that's that's about it. I'm just mostly uh, trying to figure out ways to even be more sequestered at home. I've about decided to stop even my occasional personal grocery store trips and go into pickup. And I'm certainly not going inside any restaurants for the time being. So I, my, my life is just it's it's pretty constricted. <laughs> you know, it's it's in the in the basement most of, of my house most of the time. Uh, well, I did a lot of um, a lot of manual labor and yard work over the Thanksgiving break, uh, and I plugged in my Apple AirPods and listened to a bunch of podcasts. And I finally uh, got through a whole episode of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. He's a, a former journalist who has done this history podcast for a number of years, and each episode is like three and a half hours. And it's, it's um, he he has read a bunch of books and is not a historian, but um, you know seemingly knows what he's talking about. I listened to the first of three parts on the King of Kings series about biblical era kings, Cyrus and the Syrians and Xerxes, and um, yeah, it, it was it's pretty wow. Fun. If you like history, check it out. I also finished uh, 
The Old Drift, uh, the debut novel by Nemwali Serpel about um, Zambia. It's sort of like a... a oh, a, come on. That's my daughter's college roommate. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh? She's been to, my daughter's been to Zambia with them, Wally. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. cool. It's, it's, uh, it was a, it's a good book. You should read it. it it's very sweeping, and uh, it sort of tells the whole history of Zambia all the way into the future of uh, 2036. It does a lot of interesting genre things and runs through colonialism and, uh, you know, there's Italian characters, English characters, there you know, or African characters. It's, it's, it's definitely worth a read. Interesting. I hope I'm not confusing her with another Nimwali from Zambia who has written a book as a teacher at Berkeley, but, uh, yeah. no, that, surely. that's her. She, okay. Yeah. She just came out with a book days. It's getting a lot of attention. No, we're good. Well, she's, she's a brilliant, brilliant woman. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Everybody stay safe and healthy out there, and we'll be back next week. Check you later.